this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag For Paris podcast. It's wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. Well, here we are the week after Thanksgiving. It's hard to believe that our fall is moving so quickly. And I'm sure on your Thanksgiving weekend, you had the opportunity to be with family and friends. I'm sure there was lots of food and drink. And I was thinking about some of that, and uh, there are some people who really love soft drinks, and probably one of the most popular is Coca-Cola. I realize it's been around for a long time. In fact, the first Coca-Cola was served on May the 8th, 1886. That's a long time ago. But in 1996, they entered into a new era and they presented a slogan which said, it's the real thing. They were trying to promote the idea that that Coca-Cola was the original cola, that it was the authentic cola, and every other cola was simply a mere imitation. In the last few weeks, we've been doing this series called Looking Under the Hood, and trying to figure out what is really authentic Christianity. Or in other words, if we're going to use the Coca-Cola slogan, what is the real thing? I'm sure there are some people who maybe are going through the emotions, even saying the right words that sound to be good, but that does not necessarily make their faith authentic, even though they can spout a lot of religious terminology. I think if we are going to be followers of Jesus... We need to become more and more like him. And in fact, he invites us to come to him. And in Matthew, he says these words, Come to me, I am gentle and humble of heart. So if we're going to be more and more like Jesus, we're going to be people who are gentle, but also people who are humble towards other people. Living that kind of life seems to be so contrary in the culture where we exist. The culture seems to emphasize, well, look out for number one, or somehow always engage, if possible, in self-promotion. And there's even books that talk about how to succeed, and one is called Winning by Intimidation. But that's not what Jesus said if we are going to be followers of him. The Apostle Paul put it in these words in the second chapter of Philippians, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 to 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, Paul is inviting us to be united together to have a like-minded 
spirit. In fact, he says this, be like-minded, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Now notice these words, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. If we took that seriously, if we took it to heart, that would be an amazing way to live in our relationships with one another. That we were people with one heart, one mind, and one purpose. Now some people might ask the question, are you suggesting uniformity? Well, not at all. There's a great difference between unity and uniformity. Uniformity comes from pressure to conform, and that pressure comes from without. When you think of the word uniformity, that's where we get the word uniform. And so people working in certain companies or organizations all wear the same uniform. And there is pressure from the boss or the company or the organization that people will conform in their dress code. But unity is something which comes from within. It's a desire to be there for each other. But this is not always easy. It's interesting if you look at Psalm 133. This is a psalm about unity. And the psalmist writes these words, How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. Think about it. Brothers and sisters living together in unity. So let me ask you a question. What was it like in your household growing up with your siblings? Did you ever have challenges with your brothers and sisters? Did everything always work out perfectly? All too often, that does not occur. If you look at the first brothers that were recorded in Scripture, it was Cain and Abel. And we know that there was jealousy between these brothers, and one took the life of the other. So living together in unity is not necessarily easy. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So how do we actually do that? How are we able to live together in that manner? I want to suggest it's simply this. Don't be self-focused. Be there for other people. Very easy to become self-focused instead of being other-focused. And if we're honest, there are times when we simply want our own way. But if we look at the life of Jesus, he was always there for others. And as we look under the hood and what is going to be authentic Christianity, it's going to be living out our life patterned after the life of Jesus. So Matthew tells us, we are to care for the hungry. We are to look after the sick. We are to visit those in prisons. And Jesus said, when you do that for others, you're doing it for me. But that was exactly what he did. He cared for people 
who were in difficult situations. And when you think of those actions, feeding the hungry, caring for the sick, visiting people in desperate situations, those are not spectacular acts. They're not monumental. It almost seems to be just part of the routine, day-to-day things that people actually engage in. I think that nothing really gives a greater evidence of our life with Jesus than a life that is lived out in compassion for others, having a gentle spirit and loving kindness that even Jesus demonstrated. So whatever we do, however we are living out our life, we don't do it out of selfish ambition as a way to somehow exalt ourselves and say, well, look what I've been doing. And we bring out all of our credentials and we lay it before people and we tell them what we have done. Some people want to exalt themselves. Sometimes selfish ambition is by using other people to actually get the end that we want for ourselves. When we do that, we're simply manipulating people and we're not really cherishing them. So what is needed as we live out these acts of kindness and compassion? I think it is underscored by a spirit of humility. The Apostle Peter, when he was talking about leadership in the church, which sometimes can be a place where people will exalt themselves over others and say, well, this is the role that I have, or this is my position. He says these words, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Now notice this, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Clothe yourself with humility. I was thinking of some people who have lived, and actually these people I'm going to quote right now have actually died. But one person who said over and over again, I am the greatest, was from the sporting world. And some of you probably guess it's Muhammad Ali. Or he was known before his name change as Cassius Clay. But he made that statement, I am the greatest, and actually he went on and wrote a poem. Now, there's some debate amongst people. Did he actually write it? Did he do it spontaneously? Or did someone else write it for him and he just read it off? I have no idea. But I want to quote to you a few lines from this poem that he wrote. Because in some ways it's almost hilarious But this is how he lived, and he bragged about being a great fighter, and no one can take that away from him. But he wrote this, I am the greatest. This is the legend of Cassius Clay, the most beautiful fighter in the world today. He talks a great deal and brags indeedy of a muscular punch that's incredible and speedy. This brash young boxer is something to see, and the heavyweight championship is his destiny. He is the greatest. This kid fights great. He's got speed and endurance. But if you sign to fight him, increase your insurance. This kid's got a left. This kid's got a right. If he hits you once, you're asleep for the night.
I am the heavyweight champion of the world, and I'm going to become champion of the universe. Don't think me a clown, but it's just what I want. A heavyweight crown, because I am great. I am the greatest. Well, that's his estimation of himself. There was another person who was not quite so wordy, and that was Winston Churchill. And once Winston Churchill made this quote, as he looked at humanity and he said, I believe we are all worms. However, I do believe that I am a glowworm. So how do we present ourselves? God says, clothe yourself with humility. And as we learn to humble ourselves under God's almighty hand, he will lift us up. So how do we humble ourselves under God's hand? It begins by submitting our lives to God. You see, self, or rather humility is not self-weakness. It is not self-deprecation. It is not about low self-esteem. It's simply recognizing my worth, not overestimating myself, but also acknowledging my dependence upon God in all of life. And as we learn to live our life in that dependence upon God, it's going to be reflected in the relationships we have with one another. If we are honest, maybe at times we're more like Muhammad Ali or like Winston Churchill. We think of ourselves as a glowworm. Uh, Jesus had disciples who struggled with this. In Luke, we are told an interesting story that the disciples were having a conversation amongst themselves, and it boiled down to this. Who is the greatest? Who's the greatest? I mean, there's 12 of us. Who's the greatest? Uh, Jesus dealt with a lot of religious people, the Pharisees. These were people who were devout. They prayed at least three times a day. They followed all the religious rituals. They claimed to be in the front line of God's honor. They loved the place of honor. They loved to be seen by others. They would often pray in the market square. And they wanted to be greeted with respect. You know what Jesus said? The greatest among you will be your servant. That's what humility is about. Being able to serve one another. So near the end of his life, Jesus gathered his disciples in an upper room and they were going to celebrate. The custom was in that culture that if you were a guest, your servants would wash, the, sorry, if you were a host, your servants would wash the feet of your guests. Uh, Jesus invited the disciples for the meal. None of them were going to wash each other's feet. I mean, they'd already had a conversation with who's the greatest. And then Jesus took a basin and towel, and he went to each one of them and washed their feet. And then he made this statement as part of the Jesus way. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. 
Jesus set the example for us. He, the Lord of heaven and earth, came, lived amongst us, and served. And he calls us to have that spirit of humility whereby we are going to be servants to one another. So where do we begin? I think we begin by recognizing that each of us have been a recipient of God's grace. When we recognize that we have received the grace of God in Jesus, humility begins to develop in our life. There was a story in Luke 18 where two men went to the temple to pray. One was a very religious man, a Pharisee. The other one was sort of an ordinary guy. And the religious man began to congratulate himself in his prayer for all that he had done. He listed all of his virtues. And then he even got to the point where he compared himself to this other person and said, and God, I'm not, thank you that I'm not like that person. I mean, he was elevating himself by deprecating another person. And the poor man beside him started to pray. And he was honest. And he couldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. And he just simply prayed this prayer, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he humbly asked for forgiveness. There's a powerful connection between forgiveness and humility. When we begin to grasp that in spite of our unworthiness and all of our imperfections, that we have been forgiven by Jesus, we start to see others through the lens of humility. How can I ever think that I am superior to any other person when I have been a recipient of God's grace? How can you ever consider yourself superior to anyone when you've been a recipient of God's grace? There's an ancient writer his name is Thomas Akempis. He wrote words that I believe still ring true to this day. God walks with the humble, reveals himself to the lowly, gives understanding to little ones, discloses his meaning to pure minds, but, there's always a but, he hides his grace from the proud. As we look under the hood, do we see that spirit of humility in our own life? Are we asking God to make us more like his son Jesus, who took the form of a servant? And God has highly exalted him to this day. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. Let us pray together. God, grant us that spirit of humility that will be so authentic and genuine that people will see the real thing in our life, that we are people who walk with God day by day in dependence upon him and seeking above all else to be gentle and humble of heart. For we pray this in the name of Jesus. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and grant you his peace. But above all, a gentle and humble heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B.ca. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, we have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get back, right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.